BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to the Tech Meme Ride Home for Wednesday, May 16th, 2018. Today, Zuckerberg to testify in Europe, Prime members to get discounts at Whole Foods, possible low-end tablets coming from Microsoft, a blockchain phone, a connected toothbrush, and all you need to know about the Yanni versus Laurel controversy. Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. At I.O. recently, Mark Zuckerberg joked about his testimony before Congress by saying, let's not do that again. Well, Zuck didn't get his wish because Antonio Tahani, the president of the European Parliament, said today that Zuckerberg will give evidence to the EU Parliament as early as next week. Quote, the founder and CEO of Facebook has accepted our invitation, Tahani said. The news that Zuckerberg will appear in person before the EU Parliament comes on the same day that Facebook officially declined the British Parliament's invitation to give evidence before it, a move that some British MPs called, quote, absolutely astonishing. Britain's Parliament has in the past threatened to compel Zuckerberg to testify, and if it does do so, that would create a potentially awkward situation. The next time Zuckerberg set foot in the UK on a connecting flight through Heathrow, say, he could potentially face arrest. The committee that wants to talk to Zuckerberg is the Digital, Culture, Media, and Sport Select Committee. But according to The Guardian, quote, In practice, the committee has no power to force a person to give evidence if they are based abroad, as Zuckerberg is. It is theoretically up to the Commons to decide what sanction if a person breaches the summons, although historical powers to jail and fine have long been considered to be in abeyance. A few continuing stories here, catching you up on new details concerning things we've covered before. Whole Foods today announced a new loyalty discount program for Amazon Prime customers, offering 10% off hundreds of already on-sale items and a rotating weekly special. These new perks are available now if you're in Florida and will roll out to all U.S. stores later this summer. On the one hand, this is the continuing integration of Whole Foods into Amazon's larger operations, but it's also part of Amazon's strategy of moving deeper into groceries. And this is a fairly aggressive move to do so, as it has the potential to make Whole Foods, which has the reputation for being more expensive than traditional grocers, whole paycheck, anybody, cheaper than other stores for a lot of key grocery items. Grocery retail has notoriously razor-thin margins, so one can easily imagine a scenario where a ruinous price war could break out, especially if Amazon is content to subsidize such a campaign. Tom Murphy, former vice president of consumables at Amazon Fresh and now chief executive of Consumer Equity Partners, told Reuters, quote, 
given how important it is for Amazon to provide value for their customers and customers value lower prices, I would think they'd be comfortable operating Whole Foods at a lower margin while experimenting with the operating model, end quote. Morgan Stanley has previously estimated that the number of Whole Foods shoppers that are also Prime members might total 8 million people. And that was fast. The Supreme Court only just recently struck down the law that prevented sports betting in the United States. And Axios is already reporting that European online gaming juggernaut Paddy Power Betfair is in talks to buy FanDuel for somewhere in the neighborhood of 600 to $700 million. FanDuel was once valued at $1.2 billion back when it was planning to merge with fantasy sports competitor DraftKings, but the government put the kibosh on that merger. I'm telling you guys, get ready, because the floodgates have truly been thrown wide open in this space. A few years from now, you probably won't be able to escape betting ads on every commercial break when you're watching a sporting event. We spoke yesterday about the enormous Surface Hub 2 that Microsoft is rolling out sometime next year. That's clearly a high-end computing device. Microsoft didn't share pricing information for the Surface Hub 2, but we can safely assume it'll be expensive. But news leaked out today that Microsoft is also planning to attack the low end of the computing market, specifically planning to launch a line of 10-inch Surface tablets that it is hoping to price around the $400 range, and could reach market as soon as the second half of this year. This scoop comes from Mark Gurman, of course, who notes that this attempt to enter the low-end tablet market is a shot directly across the bow of Apple's iPad, which pretty much has the cheap tablet market sewn up. The new tablets, quote, will have rounded edges like an iPad, differing from the squared-off corners of current models. They'll also include USB-C connectivity, a first for Surface tablets, a new charging and syncing standard being used by some of the latest smartphones. The tablets are expected to be about 20% lighter than the high-end models, but will have around four hours fewer battery life. The current Surface Pro can last 13.5 hours on a single charge, according to Microsoft, end quote. Just this past March, of course, if you'll remember, Apple launched a new iPad model that came in at the low, low price of $329 and was aimed squarely at education buyers. The current Pro-oriented Surface Pro tablets begin at $799. The last time Microsoft attempted a low-cost tablet was in 2015 with the launch of the Surface 3, which started at $499. Interestingly, the rumors suggest that this new cheap tablet will still run Windows 10 Pro, not one of Microsoft's neutered versions of its OS. Did you know that even if you have a 401k for retirement, you can still have an IRA? Robinhood has the only IRA that gives you a 3% boost on every dollar you contribute when you subscribe to Robinhood Gold. But get this, now through April 30th, Robinhood is even boosting every single dollar you transfer in from other retirement accounts with a 3% match. That's right, no cap on the 3% match. Robinhood Gold gets you the most for your retirement thanks to their IRA with a 3% match. This offer is good through April 30th. 
Get started at Robinhood.com slash boost. Subscription fees apply. And now for some legal info. Claim as of Q1 2024 validated by Radius Global Market Research. Investing involves risk, including loss. Limitations apply to IRAs and 401ks. 3% match requires Robinhood gold for one year from the date of first 3% match. Must keep Robinhood IRA for five years. The 3% matching on transfers is subject to specific terms and conditions. Robinhood IRA available to U.S. customers in good standing. When you go through airport security, there's one line where the TSA agent checks your ID and another line where a machine scans your bag. The same thing happens in enterprise security, but instead of passengers and luggage, it's end users and their devices. These days, most companies are pretty good at the first part of the equation where they check user identity, but user devices can roll right through authentication without getting inspected at all. In fact, 47% of companies allow unmanaged, untrusted devices to access their data. That means an employee can log in from a laptop that's had its firewall turned off and hasn't been updated in six months or worse. That laptop might belong to a bad actor you Using employee credentials. Collide finally solves the device trust problem. Collide ensures that no device can log into your Okta protected apps unless it passes your security checks. Plus, you can use Collide on devices without MDM, like your Linux fleet, contractor devices, and every BYOD phone and laptop in your company. Visit collide.com slash ride to watch a demo and see how it works. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash ride. Last month, people were super jazzed that Google had released a new version of Chrome, which blocked those annoying autoplay videos, which can be... Super annoying, especially when they pop up in ads. Well, Google had to announce yesterday that it was partially rolling back that feature. Why? Because it inadvertently disabled audio on a lot of interactive web-based games and projects. The autoplay blocking in Chrome 66 isn't going away completely. Google is just upping the limits in the web audio API system for app developers. And this is only a temporary reprieve, as Google says, when Chrome version 70 comes out in October, the autoplay blocking will fully come back. Google project manager John Pallett wrote, quote, The team here is working hard to improve things for users and developers, but in this case, we didn't do a good job of communicating the impact of the new autoplay policy to developers, end quote. But developer Benji K was among the many web developers still not satisfied. Responding to Pallet, he wrote, quote, Simply delaying the enacting of this policy doesn't solve any of the major concerns that have been raised. Come October, any existing software which utilizes sound and which is not or cannot be any longer maintained will be broken. Additionally, these changes are not in the spirit of a free and open web, as Google controls the formula which decides which sites will be affected and which will not. The primary job of a web browser is to support web standards. As it stands, Chrome is changing itself to not support web standards across certain blurry and arbitrary lines, end quote. That can be the problem when one major player makes and controls the web browser used by the majority of people. Where have I heard that cautionary tale before? HTC is developing a new Android phone that will have blockchain technology baked right into it. The new phone, which it is calling Exodus, will sport a wallet with a secure enclave that will support the storage, trading, and use of cryptocurrencies 
and other blockchain applications. HTC said it is even considering accepting cryptocurrencies as a form of payment for the phone. Phil Chen, who created HTC's virtual reality headset Vive, is the one in charge of the phone's development with the shiny new title of Decentralized Chief Officer. Chen said, quote, Through Exodus, we are excited to be supporting underlying protocols such as Bitcoin, Lightning Networks, Ethereum, Definity, and more. We would like to support the entire blockchain ecosystem, and in the next few months, we'll be announcing many more exciting partnerships. At the blockchain conference consensus yesterday, Chen said, quote, We envision a phone where you hold your own keys, you own your own identity and data, and your phone is the hub, end quote. This is not the first blockchain phone. Siren Labs announced a $1,000 blockchain phone last September, and that's scheduled to come to market this October. But generally, people seem to be skeptical of the very concept of a blockchain phone. Since most blockchain stuff can be done solely with software, you don't really need any specific dedicated technology. So this could all be seen in a certain light as nothing more than marketing hype. On Twitter, The Verge's Dieter Bone joked, Us, give us more battery life, phone companies, second camera lens. Us, okay, but battery life, phone companies, face scanning. Us, okay, sure, but also more bet phone companies. Blockchain. Beam Dental is a startup that makes Bluetooth-connected toothbrushes. It's sort of in the family of those subscription consumer products like Harry's Razors or something like that. You get a regular supply of floss and toothpaste and replacement heads for the smart toothbrush from Beam, and the toothbrush gives you adjustable brush speeds and all sorts of different gamified tools to help you keep up with better dental hygiene. Okay, you might be thinking, that's an odd little tech gimmick. But here's the thing. Since the toothbrush connects to the app, it's keeping track of your dental data. And here's the genius part. Beam now offers users dental insurance plans with significantly lower premiums so long as you share your brushing data with the insurance company. Better brushers and flossers are less likely to need things like root canals so the insurance companies can offer better rates. This clever business model was enough to secure Beam a new $22.5 million investment round led by Kleiner Perkins, who's been doing a lot of investing in the health tech space recently. Beam has raised a total of $30 million so far. This new insurance product is currently available in 16 states, and there are plans to extend this to 35 states by the end of the year. Connecting smart tech to health products as a way of lowering insurance costs and offering consumers better premiums has been something of a trend lately. On Twitter, Aninda Chowdhury explained how this works. Quote, This strategy is playing out across all insurance verticals. More data leads to better actuarial math, which leads to lower premiums for consumers, which leads to favorable risk pools for insurers, which leads to more profit. Okay, guys. Yanni versus Laurel. Let's do this. No doubt you've seen the viral video. It's simple, it's just an audio clip. Let me play it for you. Laurel. 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 Okay, now some of you will have heard the word 
Yanny, and some of you will have heard the word Laurel. I personally hear Laurel. This little thing has become the dress of 2018, except people aren't fighting over what color they see, but rather what sound they hear. There's no real tech news angle to this story, just consider this a Know Your Meme public service by yours truly. Here's the story behind Yanny versus Laurel. A while ago, an 18-year-old high school student in Lawrenceville, Georgia, was working on a school project when he recorded this sound clip from the vocabulary website vocabulary.com. His fellow students heard the clip on his computer speakers, and a disagreement broke out in the room about what the word was that was actually being spoken. The student, Roland Sabo, says he had searched for the word laurel, a wreath worn on the head as a symbol of victory. So Mr. Sabo posted the clip to Reddit. Then it spread when a self-described YouTube influencer named Chloe Feldman posted it to her popular YouTube channel. So why exactly do different people hear different things? It all boils down to this. If you tend to hear high frequencies better, then you probably hear the word Yanny. If you can't hear high frequencies as well as others, then you probably hear the word Laurel. It all has to do with vagaries such as your age, what frequencies your brain emphasizes in speech, and even what you're expecting to hear. Also, some people are reporting hearing different words depending on what device they're playing the sound on. One, one more confusing wrinkle to this story, there are actually two conflicting stories about how this meme actually originated. The story I just shared, involving young Mr. Sabo, came from the New York Times, but there's a competing Yanni Laurel origin story in Wired. Similar theme, high school students, vocabulary.com, sharing to Reddit, etc. So if it's not enough that different people hear different words, what origin story for this meme you believe also depends on which group of high school students you believe. Isn't the internet wonderful? And that's all for today. I've been your host, Brian McCullough. You can follow me on Twitter at BrianMCC. I was tempted to put up a Twitter poll asking what you hear, Yanni or Laurel. But in the end, what does it really matter, right? Talk to you tomorrow.